Let's talk tennis now. Some sad news this last week. Retired uh, or, or tennis legend uh, Gordon Forbes passed away. Famous ex-player and author, former board member and president of the South African Tennis Union, which is now Tennis South Africa. Great tennis player in the 50s and 60s. He competed in all the Grand Slams as well. And he wrote a book, and by all accounts, is one of the best books on tennis. It's called A Handful of Summers. I haven't read it. It's going to have to get hold of it now. Uh, let's talk to Mike Dunk, retired commentator, 23 years for the SABC uh, sports presenter on radio as well. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, first of all, let, let's uh, tell us a little bit more about Gordon Forbes. Well, first of all, good evening to you, John. Good evening to your listeners, all those at home, and uh, also, of course, all those who are listening to you overseas. Gordon was a very quiet gentleman. He was born on the 21st of February, 1934, in Burgersdorp. That's very close to the Karoudan and the Eastern Cape. And he learned his tennis on the the sand courts, which they had on the farm there. It was his mother, who I think was probably the biggest early influence uh, on his tennis career. Uh, She was a very, very good player and played a lot of club tennis in the area. But Gordon, growing up on the farm, Remember that in those days, um, they weren't insular, but there was not that much of a social life uh, amongst uh, that there would be uh, for town people, for example. Mm. So Gordon always came across as rather a shy person. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say introverted. I think that's probably going a little bit too far. But uh, he was always shy and quite happy to sort of take the back seat, so to speak, when in company. But a very, very humorous, a very, very intelligent man. Uh, a great friend of mine, a great friend of Gordon's, a gentleman called Shellshop, uh, once told me that he considered Gordon Forbes to be the most intellectual person who had never gone to a university. <laughs> but, um, uh, Gordon was a great, great man uh, who has a raconteur, and as you say, if you haven't read A Handful of Summers, John, you're, mm. you're seriously missing a wonderful, wonderful read. I promise you that uh, you'll split your sides laughing reading it from about the second page onwards right through to the end. I've known people actually who've read that book in one, uh, one throw straight. Sure. Uh, that shows you how compelling and how, how uh, riveting it is uh, once you start reading it. Uh, I see IOL ran a story and even Billie Jean King getting involved in saying uh, and giving good words for the man. I think everybody has uh, the tributes that have been pouring in uh, for Gordon since Thursday when he sadly passed away uh, have been tremendous. I mean, it, it just shows the, the accolade, the, the manner in which he was uh, recognized by his peers. And remember that Gordon played in an era which was a totally amateur game of tennis. There was no professionalism. There was very, very little money. They moved from tournament to tournament. They existed on free lunch vouchers. They existed on getting to the next tournament with uh, that tournament paying them uh, probably a train fare. And uh, they were normally housed with uh, people or members of the club that they were holding the tournament they were going to. There was no five-star luxury like there is today. And remember, in those days, they, they traveled as a team. They never had a physio, they never had a guru, they never had a psychiatrist <laughs> with them or anything like that. Mm. They, they traveled as sort of a group of two or three or four of them. When Gordon first went overseas, he went overseas with uh, Gordon Tolbert. Uh, they went over on the old Union Castle uh, boats, they got to England, and they fended for themselves. They just went to tournaments, because in those days, of course, every week in the English summer, there were a handful of tournaments you could you could choose whichever way you wanted to go. You either played in the south of England or you went to the north or wherever. 
But of course, it all built up to the ultimate of playing uh, playing at Wimbledon and that uh, end of June. He won the mixed doubles at Roland Garros. He was best known for his doubles. What was his singles like? Um, I think he would be honest enough to say that he he was a better doubles player. <laughs> he won the mixed doubles. You're quite right at, at Roland Garros in 1955. He played with. Uh, a very bubbly and extrovert American lady called Darlene Hard, who hit the ball extremely hard, as his surname uh, suggests, and they almost a case of bumping into each other and saying, well, how about playing some mix together? And they, they put their names down just before the close of entries and uh, went on to win it. So, but as a doubles player, Gordon was a, a net rusher. He, was good, uh, he learned a lot of his tennis in later life, obviously, in Johannesburg where the tendency is to serve and volley, and he became a, net, a bit of a net rusher. And uh, he, on the clay courts were not his scene. Uh, he was much happier and far more comfortable on the hard courts, or particularly the grass courts at, uh, at Wimbledon. But like a lot of South Africans, he, he battled a bit on, on the clay and on the slower surface. Then he went into administration, I guess staying with the sport he loved. He went into administration in the early 1990s. Remember, at that stage, there were three separate bodies which were running tennis in South Africa before unity and before the country came together in uh, 1994. And uh, Gordon was one of the people, because of his love for the game, he was asked to come in and help, along with a lot of people who had tremendous experience in organizing tennis, being involved with the game all their lives, and, and, and Gordon took up the mantle of being president for a short while until unity was achieved, and then it was handed over to, uh, to Chris and Cobo, who was the first sort of president uh, once unification had uh, taken place. I think I'm right in saying that was 1992, uh, because it was 1994 that we were allowed back into the Olympic Games when Wayne Ferreira and Pete Norville won the silver medal in Barcelona. Uh, just to go back to, you mentioned the difficulties of playing in the, in the 50s and 60s. There was a different world then as well. Was it okay for a South African to be traveling and playing then based on what we were going through as a country? Um, difficult one to answer, but I think it was the, the entrepreneurial spirit of the South Africans which took them overseas. Uh, uh, Owen Williams was possibly one of the, of the trailblazers who went Russell Seymour also was one of the early ones who went over there. And then, of course, uh, uh, Abe Siegel, Ian Vermont, Ray Whedon were the also early pace setters. But uh, it was in UK and, and Europe where, of course, tennis was abounding in the, uh, in the uh, amateur days. And that is where it was. And if you had the love of the game and you were proficient, that is where you went. And it was an amateur sport. You had a lot of county players, as we called them in England, who were certainly in today's world not anywhere near Wimbledon standard, but uh, <laughs> they got in and they played. No disrespect to them, but I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who, uh, who, who played at Wimbledon because in those days you didn't get the overseas players going there. The Australians right. didn't go because of transport and travel. The, 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 the transport and travel just wasn't there. You didn't have jumbo 747 jets in those days you had steamship uh, which took well cape town to southampton was what 12 14 days wasn't yeah. it uh, and then the the books uh, you mentioned a handful of summers he also did what too soon to panic and i'll take the sunny side as well uh, also humorous books he he did three books a handful of summers was the first one that he did which, uh, like a lot of things, when you do something for the first time, it, it quite often turns out to be the best. 
The second one was Too Soon to Panic. It's an excellent read, but it wasn't full of the belly laughs that uh, the handful of summers had. That was the difference between the two. It's still exceptionally well written. And then he, uh, 2017 uh, was his last book, which is called I'll Take the Sunny Side, which is a memoir. Uh, right. that he did. But again, I mentioned Jacques Shellshock just now, but when I was talking to him the other day, he said that he's got an unpublished manuscript of Gordon's on his shelf called The Middle Child, and Jacques considers that to be one of his finest mm. works. So, you know, he, he did write a lot. He was very eloquent when he spoke uh, in, in groups of people. He was always fun to be around at, at uh, social functions or tennis functions or even outside of tennis functions. He had a wealth of stories, the stories he tells in, in a handful of summers, for example, you can't believe that they actually took place. But when you then <laughs> consider that the uh, the people that he's talking about, um, which are really pretty eccentric types of people around those, are the likes of Torben Ulrich, the likes of um, Tappy Larson and those people, uh, you know, who were eccentric, I think, is probably a polite way of saying that uh, they certainly lived in a world of their own. But uh, they were wonderful people. Uh, life in those days was far more relaxed. And um, I, I did an interview with Abe Siegel a good few years ago, and the first question I said to him was, Abe, I do believe that you and Gordon and the likes of those, you, you had far more fun when you played tennis compared to today's. And mm. then he waxes lyrically about the, well, Mikey said there was a party at somebody's house every night. <laughs> and that would, have, that would have pleased Abe Siegel, I'm sure. Got to imagine Roger Federer <laughs> going to a party every night, do you? No, 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 definitely not. Not quite definitely the same. Not. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we, we must talk a little bit about Abe because, you know, that relationship between those two of them was, well, they were polar opposites. When you consider that Gordon grew up on a farm and mm. Abe Siegel grew up in Dornfontine, and, and his, life, his, his motto in life was that, you know, life should keep moving. If it doesn't keep moving, I'm going to give it a push and, and make sure that it does move. I mean, he was the Humphrey Bogart type of person. Uh, and to have someone like Gordon, who was exceptionally shy, uh, to be paired up with somebody like Abe Siegel, mm. you would never imagine it in a million years, but boy, did it work. The chemistry between the two of them, both off-court and on-court, was absolutely magnificent. And uh, if you look at their, their Davis Cup record, they won nine of the 11 ties that they played. Sure. Uh, they, they were runners-up in the French Open in 1963, losing to Roy Emerson and Manuel Santana. And that's not a bad combination to lose to, let's be honest. And there were semi-finals at Wimbledon, and they twice won the British hardcore title uh, in, in, uh, in Bournemouth as well. So, uh, you know, it, it was, I suppose in some respect, you could say it was a match made in heaven for both of them, because Gordon needed that type of person to really bring him out and, and, and make and, and and Abe showed him what life was all about and for a little boy coming off the farm where there was no electricity and, and, and a very insular life I think it must have been a complete eye-opener to use Gordon's own, own words that um, when he first arrived in Johannesburg in 1952 to take part in the uh, Davis Cup trials uh, he, he actually he said that he was worried about his unworldliness when he got <laughs> to Johannesburg. And I think that those, those few words sum up mm. uh, Gordon's feeling that uh, when he came here. I think he was also a little bit down on himself. He was 
far more intelligent. He was far more interesting than I believe even he thought he was. Right. Uh, particularly when he says, you know, the, the unworldliness of it worried him when he came here. Mike, unfortunately, we're out of time. Good chatting with you. Thank you very much. Retired tennis commentator for the SABC, also SABC sports presenter, uh, uh, telling us about the life of Gordon Forbes. It's 8 o'clock.